Who's your angry news guy? It's Frank. Hello, hello. Welcome to the second episode of To Be Frank. I am your host, Frank Lukaitis, joined once again by regular Joe Schmo herself, my wife, Karen. Hey, guys. Karen, how are you doing today? Good. Have you been since last time that we spoke? Good. Yeah? I'm honestly curious to see what you're going to put on the table for today. Yeah, you know, I was writing this episode and it definitely was, uh, it was an angry one when I was writing it, but we'll see how, we'll see how that translates. I'm trying really hard. I try really hard to not let myself get overwhelmed, overly angry. I don't want to be one of those guys who's like in his car with like his phone on his dashboard, just screaming at it. Uh, we'll see. Like the one that everybody's like aunt shares on Facebook or whatever. <laughs> that might be you. <laughs> I don't want to be that guy. So like I'm going to try really hard not to be. Um, our target audience, well, not our target, but our, our current audience, solidly between the ages of 23 and 34. So not yet in that aunt range. So, you know, shout out to the 20 people that I be think an aunt and be an, I'm an have aunt. listened. But like, you know, like the Facebook, an- but the Facebook aunt. Oh, okay. Yeah. So... Big shout out. Thank you to the uh, 20 or so people who have listened to the first episode. I got two followers on Spotify, so <laughs> I have no idea of telling who they are. <laughs> I know one of them's not you because we share an account. So, Oh, yeah, true. Somebody, some two people out there decided to take the leap and uh, get informed when this next episode comes out. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so to try and keep delivering off of the momentum from the first one. <laughs> We're going to kind of jump right in. I'm going to start this one really bold. Karen, I don't know how you're going to feel. You might have to take a few laps at some point during this. But we're going to start off by saying, fuck Texas. Oh, no. Oh, yeah, baby. We have a recurring segment on this show called, fuck you, Texas. No. not And the people in charge. Not Texas. You can't blame a whole people. But it's so you much can't blame a whole funnier state. and smoother if I say fuck Texas than if I say fuck the people who got voted and are in charge of Texas. That's long. It's a lot of words. Doesn't Texans, work as well. We love you, okay? Just not the higher ups. Yeah, well, Texans, nothing about you. Actually, this is a lot about you because you're you're going through some shit. And, uh, sorry guys, we're here for you. Yeah, the dog, you might hear our dog every once in a while, but, uh, she wants to be vocal. She, she doesn't, also doesn't really like, care for what's going on she, in Texas. She, uh, no, actually, she disagrees with Frank. She says, we don't, we like Texans. Okay. Uh, so to get even more specific about what we were talking about with Texas, we might or might not have a recurring villain on this show. Oh, no. But, First, what I want to talk about is what we touched on at, like, the whole first half of our last episode uh, before Ted Cruz was what was happening with Texas with the snowstorm, with what was happening there, with the energy crisis that they went through, how their power grid fucked up, and how all of that stuff happened. Um, I tried really hard not to, like, talk to you about this stuff during the Mm -hmm. week, so I want everything to be a big, bold surprise. Mm -hmm. So, with the surprise that I have... uh, To start off, the first thing that I want to talk about is an article that came out out of Texas. There were a few different articles that came out, um, but a lot of them, like, from, like, local Texas reporting. Texas. Yeah. Like I said, man, I'm going to get sponsored by the state of Texas. Send us cowboy hats and... No, they're not going to do that. Instead, you're going to have all these angry Texans coming up here and freaking roping us and... 
killing us. Well, so what I wanted to talk about was um, the report came out that ERCOT, do you remember me talking about them last time? Or for those of you who might not remember me talking about them. Were they the VHR people? No. Oh, whoops. That's okay. (laughs) Uh, VR. Oh. <laughs> Aircot is the it's the distribution company down in Texas that handles like the power grid. Um, oh. Essentially, like they don't generate it, but they set the market prices, and they're the ones that are in charge of like getting power out to people at whatever cost is necessary, and also making sure that mm-hmm. it flows properly. It's a super intense thing. Also, I don't know a whole lot about the utility grids and markets and things like that, so I've tried to know as much as possible about it, um, and I'm sure that. I know we have one listener who works in a utility company, so maybe, you know, if he wants to ever chime on in, tell me that I'm wrong or along the right track, but it's, they're the company that's in charge of it. Um, They're like an organization. Mm -hmm. And so they handle the pricing. Well, ERCOT overcharged people a total of $16 billion during the Texas crisis. Wow. Yeah. There was one article that came out that said that they overcharged them. The way that that happened was that in order to incentivize the power generator companies to continue to make power during the crisis, they said, let's make power really expensive so that those who were generating the power could sell it for $9,000 per whatever unit it is that is used to measure the distribution of power. I don't know what that is. The normal market price was $1,200. So they jumped it up all the way to the maximum that you could possibly charge people for power. And the goal of this was that it was... Because there wasn't power? Because there was less. So they said, let's let them charge more so that they continue to produce power. So that it's worth it for these companies. Yeah, but isn't that, like, illegal? Well, there's, like, a set window that they can make the price at. And the purpose of it is to, like, keep the market... Like, again, like, in the free market idea... You set your price based on supply and demand and that sort of stuff. So what this was, was this upped the price because the demand was so high and the supply was so low. So that makes the price a lot more expensive. But they left that price for 32 hours longer than it should have been. So for 32 hours longer than it needed to be at that expensive price, um, they kept it going. And so as a result, in the process, they overcharged a total of $16 billion between consumers and distributors and companies and things like that. So it just like overshot like crazy. And then we talked last time about how some people's bills were $7,000. Others were up to 14,000 was the highest that I saw for an individual person's bill. But now we got the tally for all of it and it's $16 billion. The follow up to that article, as frustrating as it is that we find out that they got overcharged like that, we are then told, We are then told that they are not going to pay back that money. They're not going to adjust the rates retroactively in order to help consumers. Because their quote was, it's just nearly impossible to unscramble this sort of egg. So what the company is saying is that because they fucked up and made a mistake and kept the price at way too high of a value for too long, they are not going to pay back what they overcharged people. Yeah. We're just gonna... What? (laughs) Yeah, they're just gonna leave that there. Oh my gosh. They are just gonna leave that there for people to deal with. Wow. Yeah. I mean, one positive thing, at least they uh, actually said that they effed up. 
Oh, yeah. Real generous of them <laughs> to admit that they fucked up so badly that they actually aren't even going to bother trying to fix it because it's that big of a problem. You can't do that. You yeah. can't just... So there's a commission that's in charge of um, them. There's a commission that's in charge of, like, um, assessing and addressing issues like this with their, their power grid, and mm-hmm. they recommended, because they don't have, like, an enforcement ability, mm-hmm. but they recommended that ERCOT... Uh, retroactively adjust the price for the 32-hour period of time where it did not need to be as high as it was, Mm -hmm. and they just won't do it. They're just not going to. So all the billionaires like Jerry Jones, who we talked about last time, who literally said, like, we hit the jackpot with this or we're going to make a killing or something along those lines, um, who knew that they were going to make a bunch of money during this time, they're going to keep the money. They're just going to keep it. I feel like that's, like, illegal. That's a free market, man. From what I read, I don't see anything that said that they broke any laws. It was just a pricing, not even a pricing error, because technically they are allowed to set the price at that value. There's a market cap, and the market cap is the highest that they can set the value at. So as long as they are within those parameters, which they were, they hit the cap. Because they were in the parameters, there's not actually like an enforceable thing you can do. It's mostly like a gentle recommendation to be like, don't be shitty pay these people back we're in a pandemic they're freezing to death no one can afford this fix it they're not going to they're just going to chill that's nonsensical yeah it's dumb right yeah yeah oh my gosh so yeah that's that's where like the the whole thing with that is and you know we want to talk on the show a lot about uh i say eat the rich eat the rich man it's dumb i just feel like that's a crime yeah, it should be. It should I be. I don't know how it's not. It should be, again, because maybe power grids, uh, the, the maybe the companies and the, maybe just the system, the system of delivering power to people, an essential need that keeps them alive, maybe an essential need that keeps people alive should not be something that is done for profit. Maybe people shouldn't be able to make money off of giving someone the access to heat and water and electricity. I mean, for the people who work on that stuff, I think they should get compensated. Oh, yeah. You can pay employees without CEOs making billions of dollars. Yeah. Like, it may, you know, it should not be... The argument always is that, like, the power grid should be a... The, there's the debate that's constantly between, like, that things like this should be done by private companies who are doing it for profit because then they say that there'll be, like, maximum efficiency because everything is about making money. But we see how that worked in Texas. Versus the other side of the argument, which is that it should be a nationalized system um, and maybe it shouldn't be set at such a high ability to make profit. And you see the difference between the East Coast, the West Coast grid, and then you see Texas's grid. And the other example of a state that really fucked up during the power, during the like crisis and the ice storms and the snow and stuff was Portland. They had a really bad time with it, too. And it's because their grid um, is not the same as Texas because they're still part of the West Coast grid, but their state is lagging behind in a lot mm-hmm. of like repairs and upkeep and things like that so when you see an ex- a story saying that ERCOT overcharged a total of 16 billion dollars during the crisis a crisis within a crisis you yeah. know snowstorm within a pandemic um during all of this yeah they they overcharged by 16 billion dollars they're not going to pay any of it back to people so it's just cruelty it is. It's, it's crime. It's cruel. It's cruel. Like, it should be crime. Again, we live in, like, a really cruel world with a cruel economic system. I can't... It's gross. Wow. 
I wish they could see my face right now because I. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's bad. Listeners, Karen is in just shock. <laughs> yeah. Just my, like my eyeballs are like just wide eyed, buggy eyed. <laughs> yeah. No, I can't like. I literally am like a lo- at a loss for words with everything. It's just like wow, it really makes you um, lose your faith in humanity a little bit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's evil. Yeah, no, it's, it's like I said, I can't, I don't have any other words for it besides the fact that it's just gross. It's just yeah. gross and cruel. Yeah, it's not actually funny. Like, I just can't believe it. Yeah, you can't not laugh at this stuff. Because, yeah. like, if you don't, then, I don't know, you're just wasting your breath. But, what are you going to do? Yeah. But, we're not going to give Texas too much of a break yet. Uh, because, at the same time now... We also have, we're going to take a step away from money, and then we're going to jump right back into it. But Texas also is going to become one of the 15 states that is going to completely lift its statewide mask mandate. So to to timestamp this episode, which I guess I should, I'll start timestamping at the beginning of episodes from now on because news is so timely. Uh, It is Tuesday, March 9th when I am recording this. On March 10th, Texas will become one of the 15 states that will have no statewide mask mask mandate. And I just saw that Maryland is uh, going to lift all restrictions on, like, um, gathering sizes in, like, venues, restaurants, bars, things like that. Didn't say anything about masks, but they're going to have, um, like, full 100% capacity in buildings, Mm -hmm. um, which is even more tolerable, like, much more tolerable than, like, completely getting rid of, like, mask mandates. And in Texas, they have no limit on capacity, so they can just go restaurants, bars, right back to standing room, like, just pack a place with a bunch of people without masks on. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. So that's so let's, let's just walk backwards, shall we? That's exactly what it is. Taking a step backwards <laughs> because at the same time, Texas has one of the lowest rates of vaccination. Um, they have 15% of their state has received both shots and only 8% has received the first shot. So that makes sense, you know, it's about half the total amount. Mm-hmm. Um, and it'll probably continue to stay at that like 2 to 1 ratio until you get toward a higher value. They do say that vaccines are going to be available for every American by, like, May, at the end of May, is what Joe Biden says. Mm-hmm. Um, but Texas has a super low rate of vaccination, so people who want to get the shots can barely even access it in Texas. And then also, <laughs> another article that came out, Houston is one of the few U.S. cities, or it could have been at the time that I read the article, I thought that they said it was one of the only, um, if not the only, they now have identified every single strain of coronavirus active in Houston. All of them. Oh, great. The original. Great. The, the European, the South African, all of like, these strains that are much more like, they're much more contagious. They're much more aggressive. They are potentially more dangerous, but there hasn't been enough time uh, to identify if they are more lethal or not, these other strains. Mm-hmm. But... In the same, you know, in Houston, they have all of them. And Texas just said, let's let it run wild. Cool. Yeah. Cool. And when you have... Let's, uh, let's just, like I said, let's just walk backwards, shall we? And um, cause this pandemic to come back all over again. I mean, yeah. not come back. It's still here. Yeah. It's gonna, we're looking at another res- surge. Yeah, resurgence. Freaking... Well, would they say like it's going to be like eight years until this thing is gone? I don't We're know. We're going to make it another freaking. I've seen a lot that say like through like 2022, like we're going to be like, this is still going to be this kind of the system. Like there's still going to be masks are going to be in play. Like there's still going to be an issue about like capacity. There's still going to be like a whole lot of stuff. So 
We're still going to see it. It's still going to be going around well, for a long time. And this isn't going to help. because well, this it's gonna, certainly yeah. doesn't help. No, not at all. And like I said, it's not just Texas. It's just that Texas was like the first state to like publicly... Because a lot of these states, um, a lot of the states that don't have like a, na- a statewide mask mandate, they haven't really had one from the start. It's a lot of like Midwestern states mm-hmm. that don't have like a high population density um, and they're very like red states. They haven't really paid much attention to it. It hasn't been like a thing. Or if they had a mask mandate, it was for like a shorter period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas Texas, though, it's a f- gigantic state. Um, it's 50-50 red and blue like it's not like it's just like a hardcore just full-on red state um where this kind of behavior is like the norm that people kind of just like go with Mm -hmm. um and it's so densely populated in cities like houston and dallas and things like that austin texas so you have this like this this state that has such value to it um when it's like a whole coronavirus pandemic they should be doing something special where they are And so they were the first one to publicly just, like, come out and just be like, no, we're going. We're taking two steps back. Oh, my gosh. But also I'm not surprised. two steps back. I know. It's like a hundred. But I'm not surprised because, again, I think I said this last time, but this is the same state whose lieutenant governor right at the start of the pandemic said that it was okay if grandparents died because it was (laughs) worth cementing the future for their grandkids. Wow. It's always been about the economy versus coronavirus. I mean, I keep, I do this all the time. I keep circling back to this, but it's always just been this We're balance that people are looking for. If everyone is dead. And you're not going to have an economy if you take longer to recover. <laughs> yeah. Every single time that you have to reopen and then close, it's just losing people money. If you have your state and you have it closed, restaurants are at lower capacity, and then yeah. you decide to expand it. The moment you have to take a step back because your cases are surging and you go back to a lower capacity, you're costing everyone money. That's payroll Mm -hmm. that has to be lost. That's people that have to go back through the unemployment system and they have to wait for a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, They're not spending money. They can't put money into the economy because all they can think about is food and rent because, you know, maybe people shouldn't have to pay rent right now or maybe rent should be figured out better. Um, but yeah, it's it's this constant debate between like the economy and the pandemic and what you should do about it. And it's been these anti-lockdowns. Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't blame people who want to go back to work right now. Yeah, I don't like I don't blame people at all who think that they should be able to go back to work because we're not getting any sort of help. There's no money coming to us. Mm-hmm. Um, and as long as that happens, like it's going to be a huge, huge issue for people. Yeah. Well, I mean, like speaking from someone who does work in like the restaurant business you know like I do want people to be coming out and like enjoying themselves and then you know we're making that income and I as well like to go out and like eat and stuff but like doing it safely yeah you know still requiring masks entering and exiting the building going to the bathroom um still having it like you know at a certain capacity while seeing how things go, you know, like to just cold turkey, pull everything off. I don't have words. Yeah. I don't have words. Like historians have said, like, I'm sorry, I just don't have words. I can't believe it. But with like the Spanish flu, like don't repeat our mistakes. Yeah. Like we we have history for a reason. It's always going to happen, man. You say we have history, but like, look, we got Nazis. Like, what are you going to do? No, no. It's, it's, it's always going to be the same. Like we're never going to, we're never going to learn. Um, 
And like I said, like the idea that like we have to reopen in order to help people, like we have to reopen for the sake of people, mm-hmm. um, that doesn't come from nowhere. It comes from the fact that like there are people who don't have money and they want to go back to work. And so it's easy to say that the government is like harming people because they're not being allowed to work. And it's, it's also easy to say that the government's harming people because they're not giving them the financial help that they need. I mean, yeah. it's all partisan bickering. And so... You have one side. I mean, let that run more smoothly. I still haven't gotten my pandemic pay. Yeah. It's been since December. And it's, it's like, been a year. Like, and it, it's it's almost impossible to contact yeah. them. And it's been a year that they had to fix the system. I think, again, mm-hmm. I think we're like repeating things that were said on the last episode. But yeah. like the thing that I wanted to really focus on again is because, again, I fucking hate Texas. Like <gasps> I do. I don't hate the people of Texas. I don't even hate the state of Texas. I've never been there. It's probably a beautiful place. Yeah, it's just love really hot, Texas. and I think there's a lot of, like, bugs and boars, like spiders and shit that, like, get in your houses. <laughs> they do have a boar problem. They do have a boar problem. <laughs> they do. Um, but, like, Texas is so easy to make, like, a target of all of this because they're just the, the, the worst examples of everything that's going on. Yeah. So, like, talking about people but who But once don't- again, Texans... Not all of you people. Yeah, if I start getting a Texas audience, like, I'll calm down a little bit unless the Texas audience wants us to well, keep going. Well, you're not going to get a Texas audience. They're going to hate this. I think with you're the matter bashing of, Texas. I think, though, that the algorithms are going to hear me say Texas so much that it's going to push it in the state because there's no context to it. So if we get any listeners from Texas, hit me up, all right? We'll, we'll really know for sure how this is going. But the thing is, like, the thing that I wanted to also talk about um, with all of that is, like, just the lack of money that people have just for more concrete examples of it is, like, food insecurity and, like, what's going on with people who just, like, don't have food. Um, Because this brings us back to our uh, repeat villain of the show, Ted Cruz, and the shitty things that he says and the shitty things that he does because Ted Cruz is a a ghoul. He's the worst. Um. (laughs) Food insecurity is at, like, a record high. Um, and Texas is a good example of it because there have been reports of lines at their food banks that were gigantic. Gigantic. Mm-hmm. In November of 2020, 25,000 families gathered in a line at a single food bank in Texas where they gave out, like, 60,000 pounds of food to 25,000 families. Oh, my And gosh. I don't even think that that was enough to serve everybody that was in line that day. Yeah. I mean, I, I did say this in the last podcast. Like, I know the South, um, the South is really like hurting, and like, cause I was like watching documentaries that were even saying how they don't, their food banks are like all out. They don't have enough money to give to people, mm-hmm. um, cause already there's like a lot of impoverished, impoverished states in the South, but yeah, they just don't have it. Yeah, and it's made worse again by like the the crisis that just faced with like the weather. But the reason that I wanted to harp on this again, and this is mostly just for me to have fun and to get really angry, uh, because having to wait in food lines sucks, and that's a big problem. Uh, but I just want to single out Ted Cruz. Oh, my gosh. Because I need a little bit of uh, levity in my life. And the levity that I get from talking about the news is getting to yell about Ted Cruz. I'm rolling my eyes. You are. Karen is rolling her eyes. This is the part where I think, Karen, if you need to, you know, take a lap, uh, do whatever you got to do. Get yourself some more water or something. Because we are going to uh, single out. Well, I mean, but, like, we have to. We have to single them out. Because what he's doing, he does the most, like, he is full of the most disingenuous, 
um, and like shitty takes about this stuff. And he talks about it in the worst possible way, in the least helpful ways, and ignores the things that actually need to be improved upon. Um, so the thing that I think is like really funny and ironic about everything that he did is that back in 2019, which is a little bit before the pandemic, but it's completely applicable. Uh, Bernie Sanders recorded a video for Twitter and social media where he was talking about the Kurds and like what was going on over there. And it was a foreign policy um, issue. And I don't really want to get into that all that much um, because foreign policy is something that is still very distant to me, especially in like a lot of Middle Eastern countries, um, which is what was happening. But nonetheless, he complete recorded a completely like uh, normal and wholesome video where he was talking about like the tragedy that was going on there. But he did it like in what looked like a grocery store. So there was an empty shelf behind him. And Ted Cruz had the audacity to, with no context, tweet in response to this video, quote, under socialism slash communism, people line up for bread. Under capitalism, there are lines and lines of bread at the grocery store for people to choose from. Hashtag socialist bread lines. Quote, uh, fuck off, man. Like, just a year later, in exact year later, from November 2019 to November 2020, Capitalism resulted in the longest bread lines that we've seen in America since the Great Depression because they don't have any money from the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And this entire system that's built on the free market and giving people money because of their job opportunities and like all this sort of stuff, the idea that these bread lines are going to happen under communism is fucking wrong. Just like under the socialism that even Bernie Sanders wants to talk about, being a democratic socialist who still thinks you can have jobs, who still thinks you can go make money. It's not the idea that, like, everybody's just going to work on a farm and toil in order to give President Biden all of our yield and get our money from him. Like, it's just a social safety net. That's all that these people are talking about. The problem that they have is with, like, some sort of a social safety net that could maybe potentially stop something like this from happening. So that next time we have a pandemic, we don't have to wait for a year for unemployment to figure out what they're doing and get money out to people. So that every four months, we don't have to have a gigantic debate about what stimulus package is going to extend unemployment for people and how much they're going to get or how little it's going to be. And this partisan bickering that goes back and forth and takes like eight months to toys with people's lives. His idea that like socialist and communist bread lines are the future is provably false because we see capitalist bread lines. These people have to wait because they don't have money, because it's an entire economic system that has failed people in a time of crisis. And if we would have just prepared for this better by actually giving a shit about the people that we live with, caring about our neighbors, caring about their well-being, not being so selfish that everything is all about how much money I make and where I live and your Goldman Sachs fucking wife who wants to take her kids to Cancun in the middle of a pandemic, it's fucking stupid. And so now as a result, it's just... Let him loose here. <laughs> really? I just, I hate it so much. I hate him. Open the flood. I hate him so much. And it's, again, it's just such an example of just what brought us here. And mm-hmm. now we're in a pandemic and it is highlighted. It's just shown in the worst possible ways and people still ignore it. They still don't care. Mm-hmm. You still have people like Ted Cruz. The, the Now even you got Marjorie Taylor Greene. You got Lauren Bobbert. Like these people who... Do nothing but talk about how this like socialist agenda of Joe Biden and the fact that he wants to bail out Amtrak in this COVID relief bill, which we're going to get to. But like to bail out trains during a COVID relief bill, they need to be bailed out. No one goes on trains. It's a fucking pandemic. Like you, no one's going on trains. They're not making any money. But that infrastructure is important. 
it's just it's it's this disingenuous idea that like everything is everything is going to be okay if we just go back to the way that things were but the way that things were is how we got here are you saying like trains or subways both oh no like everyone uses the subway in the city but not in the pandemic so like they need to be bailed out they're not making money like you can't like people aren't going to work they're not going to work or they have they're not comfortable piling into a subway with a bunch of people Sorry. I know I just went. But it's just like, it, it's just so frustrating because you get reports like the one from NPR that says that nationally food insecurity rates doubled during the pandemic. 23% of households faced food insecurity during the pandemic, where it was only 13% before. Mm-hmm. So again, it's just this idea like that everything is going to be, I don't know, just solved by going back to the way that things were. Like, it's just not the case because going to the, the way that things were is what allowed us to get here. When there's no, when there's no protection for people who need it, when there's nothing in place to just, just stop this, mm-hmm. when there's nothing in place to stop it, you're not going to get anywhere. But instead of proposing a solution, instead of saying like, hey, let's make sure that this doesn't happen again. Let's have a better infrastructure system in place. Let's have better some sort of way that people would have a better guaranteed income, whether it's a universal basic income or just better unemployment systems that are prepared for this sort of stuff, like, or a government that's ready to just give people some sort of a direct payment right away. Like the $2,000 a month that Kamala Harris proposed way back again in last March, something like that. It's, it's just there to help people. Um, but again, like you have people who just want to go straight back to the way that things were last February. And it's just, it's just so shitty. It's just such a shitty way to think. And the purpose is not to be going backward. The purpose of getting through COVID is to get past COVID, not to get pre-COVID. Well, obviously, it's not, it's not looking like that. No, because I guess that brings us to the COVID relief bill, which, as I said, that 23% of households face food insecurity. Uh, we've been waiting for a month and a half for a COVID relief bill from Joe Biden. Um, And it seems like it is finally in the works that we are going to get one. And this is the part where you get a little brief moment of me being positive. We're going to get a little bit of positivity. No, 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 no. Hear me out. We're going to get a little bit of positivity here. Okay. (laughs) Just, I took a breath. I got it out. I got to talk about Ted Cruz. He's not coming back up on the radar anymore for this episode. I don't (laughs) think we'll find out. Um, The COVID relief bill. As of right now, it is being voted on again in the House. It passed the House. Oh, what? Again? Well, so the oh, way... Again? So, the thing that, like, is, is worth clarifying for um, for you and for a lot of people who might not... Who might think the same way and might not know that this is kind of the way that it's going to function. Um, the House introduces it first. Then the Senate votes on it. After the Senate votes on it, they will make any sort of changes that they want to do. So, they hold debates. They did what was called a votorama this time around, where it was, like, a 25-hour session where it was just, like... One after the other, they would just say, we want to propose this amendment, and then they would vote on it. And then immediately they would say, well, we want to propose this amendment, and then they would vote on it. So they would make alterations to the bill. Mm -hmm. Then once it's done with the Senate, it goes back to the House. If the House agrees to those changes and does not alter anything, then it goes to the president. Mm -hmm. If the House were to change something, if they didn't agree with something that the Senate did, then it would go back to the Senate. Yeah, and back and forth and back and forth. But it seems, though... All signs are pointing to the fact that the democratically-led majority House um, is going to pass this bill. It's going to get voted on tomorrow morning, and then it will go to Joe Biden. 
Report that I heard is that it's probably going to get to Joe Biden by the beginning of next week. But he has said that he will sign it right away. So if somehow they well, vote for it on Wednesday. Well, let's see if he keeps his word because he no, said he was going to sign it when he became president. Well, again, it, yeah. And it brings us back to the idea of like you have to just get it passed. But it's true. I mean, they've been debating this for a year, for a month and a half now. Uh, but they wasted a week arguing about Neera Tandon, who no one actually gives a fuck about who Neera Tandon is and what her position is in the government. It's just a waste of time. So they didn't really focus on this nearly as hard as they could. But they finally got around to it. Um, obviously, we're going to get the $1,400 stimulus checks. Again, not 2000 I could harp on that until I'm blue in the face. It does not matter. Um, but we're going to get the $1,400 stimulus checks. They're reporting that that should be out to people starting in mid-March. But again, I know people who didn't receive the last one. I know people who didn't receive the first one. So we'll see how that goes. Um, but that is on its way once this gets signed. There are a few other really good things about it. There are good things in the COVID relief bill. There are the obvious funds to vaccine distribution. There's funds to help um, balance states' budgets again because state budgets have been wiped by increased unemployment benefits uh, because, again, there was no preparation for this sort of stuff, Um, which they couldn't. I mean, obviously, it was a pandemic. You can't really plan for this sort of stuff. But Mm -hmm. like I said before, social safety nets have a better system in place, and then there's less less damage that occurs. Mm -hmm. But nonetheless, they had to give money to um, rebalance state budgets, money to provide for state aid, uh, money for small businesses, all that sort of stuff. The big tweaks that came through in it are the unemployment benefits mm-hmm. are going to continue at $300 a week. The House originally proposed 400 It went back to the Senate, and they didn't think that they could get $400 through because the House, there's a better lead for Democrats. In the Senate, the lead is much tighter. It's 50-50. Um, so the more conservative Democrats, like Joe Manchin, um, he was a problem area. So to appease him, they went down to 300 But the first $10,200 of unemployment that anybody received starting at the very beginning of the pandemic is actually going to be tax-free. So for the 20 listeners who are going to hear this, if you managed to make it through my Ted Cruz rant and you are still listening now, uh, if you did not file your taxes yet, don't file your taxes until after this bill is passed because otherwise you would have to then apply to file an amended tax return um, because if you received unemployment and you were file your taxes now, your first $10,200 of unemployment income would be untaxable income. Should have started with that. <laughs> should have st- you should have started the podcast with that. I'll like cut in, uh, stay tuned to the end for a, for a helpful surprise. Then it'll make people want to stay through, you know, <laughs> that's really, we're doing this for, for longevity here. <laughs> Yeah, so that's really good. So $10,200 of unemployment um, is going to be tax-free. So that will help a lot because I know for a lot of people, having to pay taxes on unemployment was like going to be a scary thing because not a lot of people have the money to even pay their bills, even with the unemployment. Um, and then the other good thing is that there's going to be an increased child allowance, which, again, this is something that's been like debated back and forth, so I'm still unclear myself how exactly it's going to operate. But they increased the child allowance to $3,600 um, per child in, um, the allowance or per family in the child allowance. Again, I don't have kids, so it's kind of been a little bit foreign to me and how this works for tax purposes. Um, but if any of my listeners have kids, you might get a little bit more money. I think it's looking like every American family should average about $5,400 if they're a family of four. Do you know how much originally? I think it was like 3000. Um, but it went up a little bit now because of that. So I think it was like 3000 before and now it's 3,600. 
there was a while where they were debating like Mitt Romney introduced if they wanted to make it valid like um, available as like a monthly thing that you can withdraw um, and get like a monthly check in mm-hmm. place of like getting a lump sum at the beginning. But I don't know if that passed fully because um, I don't know it was a Mitt Romney thing and everyone kind of brushed it under the rug. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's like the good stuff. Like those are the good things that come out of the COVID relief bill. But how do we know it's not going to change? Um, the House, like, as of t- now, they've been voting on it all day. Like, they've been, like, debating it all day, and no reports of, like, big changes have come out. The most concrete stuff I've seen is that they will vote on it tomorrow morning. Mm-hmm. And the majority in the House is strong enough that I think that, like, they will – it should make it through. And actually, the strength of the majority in the House um, and the fact that the House is more progressive than the Senate is – is actually what helped keep a lot of things like the increased unemployment because Joe Manchin wanted to lower it um, to 300 and then maybe even less. Yeah. Um, but they convinced, like Chuck Schumer convinced him that like if they pushed any further and they took any less, any more money from people that it wouldn't make it through the house. Well, I'm going to be that Joe Schmo and uh, I'm going to be the average person and say, I don't believe it until I see it in my hands. Oh, yeah, that's very true. I mean, I wouldn't either. Until, <laughs> At this point. <laughs> until I see Joe Biden's signature on it. No, until know. it's in my freaking hands. Yeah. <laughs> because there's a lot of people who didn't even receive it. I know. Last time. Yeah. So, yeah, no. No, it's true. I don't know. I'm still <laughs> but a this bit, might be it. I'm still a bit pessimistic with well, it all. This, this might be Just it. Just because there's been so much up yeah. and down. Oh, and unemployment benefits are going through September 6th. So, Yeah. They extended that even further because it was supposed to expire in like two weeks. Mm-hmm. So unemployment benefits are going to go through till uh, September 6th. So again, positive things coming out of the bill. It is overall a very good bill. Mm-hmm. The shitty thing about it is how it went about. Not a single Senate Republican voted for it. Mm-hmm. So I guess the last mention of Ted Cruz, he's one of those. Um, but yeah, not a single Republican voted for it. So like just that's kind of worth remembering. Yeah. They didn't vote for it because they think that it's full of things that are unnecessary, um, which, okay, that argument can be made. Mm-hmm. But also, like, as a political move, by refusing to vote for it because you don't think Amtrak should get a bailout, you're refusing to give people money that they actually need to stay alive. So, fuck them. Um, <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so that's that's the COVID relief bill. Um, and Karen, the last thing I wanted to talk about was the, uh, the minimum wage. (laughs) You want to talk about the minimum wage? It gets me heated. I know it does. It gets me heated. That's why we're doing this. That's why we're doing this. We're going to get you to say you hate someone by the end of this. I don't hate anyone. You're going to hate someone, Karen. I don't hate people. The people get me angry. Yeah. Okay. So maybe this will get you angry then. The last thing that I want to talk about is the federal minimum wage. Oh, I know it's going to be bad. I know. So because the COVID bill had to be done through a process called reconciliation, which is a term that's been thrown around a bunch, mm-hmm. and it might go conf- be confusing for a lot of people. It was for me too, so I had to kind of look into it. It's just a really specific way of ruling it that has to do with like the way that the budget is done. Um, So your bill, if it's done through budget reconciliation, it only needs a simple majority in the Senate instead of the normal 60 votes because Democrats knew they couldn't get a single Republican to vote for their bill. So they had to do it through a budget reconciliation, 
which is a debate to be had about maybe partisanship and how things go. Doesn't seem like we're ever going to have bipartisan support for anything in Congress, even though a bipartisan majority of Americans support the COVID relief bill. Um, yeah, it was like 70% popularity among like normal Americans, but obviously it's like a 50-50 split in Congress because Republicans, I don't know what they're thinking. Um, yeah, but again, like that's not to say that I love Democrats. Like I, everybody does shitty things. Yeah. Um, but because it was done through budget reconciliation, they wanted to include minimum wage in it. And the budget parliamentarian, or the Senate parliamentarian, who's just, it's just a fancy name for somebody who is in charge of interpreting the rules of the Senate. Mm-hmm. Um, they are, like, they're just a normal person who's just really good at knowing the rules of the Senate. They said, you can't do that. And Democrats completely backed down and just said, oh, okay, we won't try and do that then. Even though Kamala Harris does have the authority to overrule the bar- the Senate parliamentarian. And before... Anybody tries to say, well, if they do that, then they're breaking the rules. They're doing a shitty thing. They got told they can't do it, and now they're just going to go ahead and do it anyway. In 2003, Republicans decided to do it for Bush tax cuts uh, because they used budget reconciliation to just give people tax, give the wealthy tax breaks that put the government in a gigantic hole, deficit hole um, and cost a bunch of money. So we shouldn't have any worry about like firing the Senate parliamentarian and just doing what we want anyway. But nonetheless, because Democrats are spineless, they caved and they decided not to include the minimum wage. So they had to hold it as a separate vote. When they did that separate vote, it was voted down 58 to 42. Joe Manchin, our return guest, is one of those people who voted it down. But also another one was Senator Kirsten Sinema. Karen, have you seen anything about Kirsten Sinema? So Kirsten Sinema... Walked Is it up. Kirsten or Kirsten? It's, I think it's Kirsten because I think I typed Kristen in my notes, but I Googled her and I think it said Kirsten. <laughs> so she like was a huge deal that came out recently. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not came out recently. Like she made the news because when she went to vote no for the minimum wage increase, mm-hmm. she uh, now famously strolled up to Mitch McConnell. She's a Democrat. She strolled up to Mitch McConnell, who is a turtle. Um, but he's also the former Republican Senate majority leader um, and just an overall shitty guy. She strolled up to him, pat him on the back to say hi, walked away to go place her vote, turned back to make sure that Mitch McConnell was looking. Then it's an audio thing, so you're not going to be able to see what I'm doing. But if anybody doesn't know what I'm talking about, please just look it up. She, in one fell swoop, uh, managed to throw her shoulder into a thumbs down with like a sassy hip flick and then spun and just walked out like with so much glee sounds like a dance move it was a dance move with so much glee and so much giddy joy she voted no to a minimum wage increase of 15 to 15 dollars an hour I don't get why. What's the thing with Mitch McConnell? Why did she like tap him on the back? Or because she, she wants him to like her, because that's who people have to suck up to in the in Senate, even though he's not in charge anymore. Ew! I wouldn't want to suck up to that turtle. But the 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 the, the thing that's so gross about it is just with how much joy. Yeah. She voted no, and that's not to like. I'm singling her out because she like is the one who was famously caught on camera. But eight Democrats voted no to a minimum wage increase. Yeah. That's super shitty. Yeah. So, like, that happened. Mm-hmm. 
But the thing is, if you look back at her track record, in 2014, she tweeted, Twitter has everything, man. Just, it it has everything. In 2004, she tweeted, quote, A full-time minimum wage earner makes less than $16,000 a year. This one's a no-brainer. Tell Congress to hashtag raise the wage. No, she didn't. Yes, she did. No. Yes, she did. Oh, my God. Seven years ago. Six, really, because it's February. Well, March. Six years ago, she tweeted that out and talked about how we need to raise the minimum wage because people don't make enough money. There's not a single state in this country where the minimum wage, if you work 40 hours a week, will pay your rent. And with all of the joy in the world, she voted no to this. If any of our listeners are in Arizona, Colorado, shit, I gotta... Arizona or Colorado, if Kirsten Cinema is your uh, senator, please get rid of her. It's, it's just, it's, it's, it's that, like, careless disconnect from mm-hmm. people Yeah, that comes up when you talk about the minimum wage. Mm-hmm. And again, it goes back to the idea that, like, everybody is concerned, well, if you increase the minimum wage, it's going to cost people money. Like, it's going gonna, it's gonna to hit you hard and you're going to lose your money. Um, and blah, 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 blah. Or that other things are going to go up. Yeah, or like prices are going to go up. Like they say like, ah, the dollar menu is going to be the $2 menu if you start paying employees at McDonald's double. Yeah. Uh, No, just don't pay the CEO of McDonald's $18 million in 2020. Maybe just pay him less. Maybe the CEO of McDonald's doesn't need $18 million when their minimum wage is so low. Mm -hmm. Like the dollar menu doesn't have to go up. His net worth just maybe will go down. Yeah. The net worth of all of the uh, the Democratic senators who voted no to the wage increase yeah. is $43 million. These eight people are worth $43 million, but that actually only reports seven of them because Kirsten Cinema is a new senator, so her net worth is not yet reported. So seven of them is worth 40, $43 million. Hers is undisclosed, but guarantee after this, whatever her net worth was, is going to go through the roof. Mm -hmm. It's this careless, disgusting disconnect to what people are going through. It's so easy to just vote for a minimum wage increase. Mm -hmm. And also, if your entire goal is to stay in power and keep the authority that you have, just give people money and they'll vote for you. It's the easiest thing about politics. If people give you money, you're going to give them what they want. If you give people money, they're going to vote for you. Joe Biden doesn't want to sign the new COVID checks because he doesn't want to do what Donald Trump did. If you don't sign those checks, man, everybody's going to forget that it was the, the, the group that passed this bill. And two years from now, it's not going to matter. Like, it's, it's just so just give people money, especially because like people are literally starving. Again, you can't pay your rent in a single state in the country uh, at the minimum wage. People argue that like $15 an hour is too much for people to make because it's going to cost the businesses too much money. Karen, would you like to take a guess at what Jeff Bezos makes in one hour? Oh, man. Uh, I don't... Do I have to? Please do. I, I almost feel like I Please don't do. want to know this No, 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 no. Guess. Guess. In an hour? In an hour. Listeners, please write your guesses down to see if you are uh, correct. Okay. Write down what you think that Jeff Bezos makes in one hour. Uh, like 100000 I'm pausing because uh, you are so wrong <laughs> in the worst way. Oh, my God. In 2019, 
I actually, I, this is the, the number that I typed is so astonishing that I actually really need to make sure that like, I didn't type the wrong number. Are you sure it's in an hour? Uh, here we go. Where is it? Where is it? Here we go. Here we go. Uh, yeah. So in one hour, oh, okay. I did type the wrong letter, but it's still absurd. In one hour, Jeff Bezos earns $8.961 million. In an hour? In an hour. Oh, my God. In an hour. I, I, don't, I, I can't even fathom that money. Like, I can't even think about, like, how much that money that that is in my brain. For an hour. And they don't want to pay people. That's not even, that's not even per year. And they don't want to pay people $15 an hour. Like, oh, Amazon does pay $15 an hour. Yeah. Okay, cool. Like, that's good. That's a good thing. Pay people $15 an hour. To argue that, like, Amazon already pays $15 an hour so we don't have to worry about it, like, that's a good thing. The justification for, like, not wanting to pay people $15 an hour is that it's going to cost too much money. But just don't pay, just don't pay the CEOs. The millions and billions of dollars that they're earning right now. Mm-hmm. It's my laptop is running as hot as I freaking am right now. <laughs> it's just so stupid. Like the, the final note that I want to end this on, because um, we have been going for a long time and this has been a very frank, heavy episode, but I did say that this was an angry oh, one. Oh, it's okay. Do you? Um, a report that came out in May of 2020, just in May, two months into the pandemic, was that in the U.S., workers lost $1.3 trillion in income. With a T. Workers in the U.S. in only two months of the pandemic lost $1.3 trillion. Around the same time, reports came out that billionaires in the U.S. had their net worths rise by $1 trillion. So for every dollar that workers lost during this pandemic... These billionaires earned a dollar toward their net worth yeah, collectively. I could see why. Because everybody was at home, so they were forced to get things online. And- yeah. But also for context, that $1.3 trillion is all workers in the U.S. That $1 trillion that they earned, that's like 12 billionaires. I'm shaking my head. SMH. Karen is shaking her head. I'm shaking my head in disbelief. Yeah. It's... It's absolutely disgusting. And, like, we can't get health care or, like, student loan forgiveness because it's too expensive. Mm-hmm. But the only reason it's too expensive is because people are too cowardly to tax these people. Or everybody always thinks that we shouldn't tax rich people because they're going to be the next one. That's the thing. Like, you're always told, like, oh, you can do it. You can be wealthy. You can grow up. You can start a business. Look, uh, all these people started their business out of their garages. Well, they did it. It's done. The business has been made. You're not going to build another Amazon now. It's over. It's too late. Amazon is Amazon. Well, hopefully someone boycotts Amazon. I mean, they constantly try, but it doesn't matter because you see how much he earns in a day. All that spending that people don't do on Tuesday, they're just going to spend it all on Wednesday. Like, it's, it does not matter to him. He has so much money. He has fuck you money. He doesn't have anywhere to spend it on Earth. Like, he is done spending money on Earth. Just like Elon Musk. They all want to go to space. That's all they want to do. So everybody wants to say that, like, we shouldn't tax these people because what if I become a billionaire? I could start a company out of my garage. I'm sorry, but you're, you, it's to become the next Jeff Bezos is impossible now. 
because he is. It's done. You can't do it. You can't interject yourself into his society. Also, most wealth in the country is earned, or excuse me, inherited, not actually earned. So, like, very few people actually do this sort of stuff. Elon Musk wasn't, like, a success story of rags to riches. Uh, He showed up in America with diamonds and emeralds in his pocket. So, there's no, like, when they say born with a silver spoon, it's not, like, a fucking joke. Yeah, Zuckerberg and Bezos and these people, like, they did it. They started something. But now, Facebook is here. It's not going anywhere. You're not going to be able to compete with it. I mean, you never know what the world has in store, like... People are always coming out with new things, it's, and I, I think, like, you can't say never again can someone get to that level. I think it is possible another freaking Jeff Bezos might pop up one day with something else that's totally fantastical that... Maybe. It's but, just, it's the idea that, like, most wealth is, most wealth is inherited. Yeah. But it's just the fact that these people have so much money that they don't even know what to do with it. Yeah. You can't even comprehend how much money it is. While there's people... Yeah. So the the only positive coming out of this entire situation, which isn't really positive because, again, we don't have healthcare and student loan forgiveness, but they can go to space. Mm-hmm. Um, Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders proposed a wealth tax. So they have a proposal. It's absolutely going to get shut down. Nobody is going to vote for this. It will not win um, because this is what people would consider socialism. Mm-hmm. But... It's just not the only socialism we see in this country is socialism to the rich. Most of Elon Musk's financing for his company came from the government giving him subsidies. So, like, that's socialism. The government giving him money that he won't have to pay back to do things, but it's okay. But giving people money that we don't have to pay back in order to do things is bad. Uh, So, anyway, they proposed a wealth tax that would impact... Only one in 1,000 families in America because it would only impact the wealthiest people. But what a wealth tax says is if you earn over $50 million, you're going to tax 2% on that wealth. If your net worth is over $50 million, you're going to pay us 2% of all of your net worth then. Oh, no. What am I going to do? Yeah. Why, yeah, why, yeah. Are you, why do you even care? My next mansion is only going to have 24 bathrooms. While meanwhile, my employees have to walk a quarter of a mile to go to the bathroom. And if they're gone for too long, their anklet tells me and I will fire them. So it's 2% tax on people making over $50 million, and if you are lucky enough to make over a billion dollars in your worth, you are taxed 3%. It is said that it would raise uh, $3 trillion over a decade, which is great because, again, you could pay for so much stuff. You could pay for the Green New Deal, which would cost $3 trillion over a decade, but then would also pay itself back through jobs and earnings. And all that shit. Or you could pay for Medicare for all. Or you could pay for student loan forgiveness. Because the money that it cost, the money that was bumped into the pandemic the first time that gave us a tiny little spike in the stock market would have forgiven student loan. And that's even a fraction of what this wealth tax would earn. But then, to really just top off all the shittery, all the ghoulishness, (laughs) when they propose this wealth tax, you get a headline like this one coming out from The Hill. Karen, I want you to genuinely tell me if you think that there's anything wrong with the way that this headline is written. Um, And if you do or don't, that's okay. So the headline that came out from The Hill says, quote, Warren's wealth tax would cost 100 richest Americans $78 billion. 
end quote. Karen, I want you to tell me if you see anything wrong or if you hear anything that's like not even like wrong because it's not like there's a uh, there's not like there's like an error in this. But if there's anything weird that you see or you hear. Read it again. So the headline is, quote, Warren's wealth tax would cost 100 richest Americans $78 billion, quote. That it says 100 richest Americans. Okay. There's only 100 rich Americans. So not even that, but like you're kind of onto something. So well, the thing that's weird I mean, about this, America's how big? Why are there just a hundred rich? Americans? Okay, yes, that's one thing. And the, the thing is, I'm not doing this to like put you on the spot to make you feel bad. It's meant to. It's meant to go over people's heads. Mm-hmm. What this headline is doing, in the way that it's written, is by saying that it would cost those people seventy eight billion dollars. Mm-hmm. It makes it sound like it is theft from these poor rich people. <laughs> Who are going to lose $78 billion. Yeah. It's a shitty and way. And collectively. So th- what does it matter? Like, and again. It's not like it's that one person. It's a shitty way to say Warren's wealth tax would generate $78 billion in tax revenue. Because tax revenue is a good thing. Mm-hmm. But costing people money is a bad thing. Mm-hmm. So the entire discourse that you get around this idea. Mm-hmm. The discourse you get around taxing wealthy people at like a reasonable amount of their wealth Mm -hmm. the discourse you get isn't that it would generate tax revenue that can be used to help people the discourse is that it is hurting rich people and it's attacking them and they're going to lose money and they're going to go broke and the economy is going to collapse because of it and these poor people who worked so hard to build their empires and you're just going to take that money from them it's so fucking dumb and that's how they talk about this Mm -hmm. in order to have people who would like to have that wealth, sympathize with them. It's generating sympathy for people who literally are incapable of empathizing with us. Mm -hmm. They don't know what it's like to ever have to deal with this sort of stuff. Even if these people came from nothing and then went into wealth, there Mm -hmm. are so many like psychological or sociological studies that show uh, once you are disconnected from a situation of poverty or hardship or anything where you are a marginalized group, mm-hmm. once you are disconnected from that and you are put in a position of power, authority, success, wealth, you immediately lose lose your connection to that. You can no longer empathize with it. It's like the idea of the Stanford prison experiment to some extent where you have these people who are supposed you you take two groups of people who are completely normal they're friends, they're colleagues, they know each other. You make one the prisoner and one the guard. All of a sudden, these people who are the guards have so much power and they become the shittiest beings that they can. Mm-hmm. So these people, even if you get the idea like, oh, Bezos started out of his garage and maybe he was poor before that. He's not poor anymore. He doesn't know what it's like to be poor anymore. His, his ability to empathize with people in that situation is completely gone. It's this. It's the idea that. Like, I mean, I don't think that's every person, though. No, but for a lot of them, especially for these hundred richest Americans that yeah, are losing seventy billion dollars, I would not say that it's every person. No, because, but for the like, most part, I know stories of people who have come from nothing, and they do. Yeah, but there's they a are, difference. Like astounding. But there is a difference between four having like earning four hundred thousand dollars a year, and earning eight million dollars an hour. Mm-hmm. They're just like that's another thing that's really important to understand is every time that they talk about a wealth tax, it's not taxing your I don't know an oncologist who helped your family mm-hmm. through a really hard time. 
Yeah. They deserve to make that money, and they do. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they're going to pay taxes on it, but if they're making a $400,000 a year salary, that's they earned it. That's their thing. That's what they do, and they're, they're helping people. Yeah. They're not impacted by this sort of a tax. Mm-hmm. But like, to frame it this way is going to make it sound like anybody who generates any sort of wealth for themselves is immediately going to lose it all. And yeah. it's just not the case. Mm-hmm. It's not the case. You can make $300,000 a year, and you're fine. You're not going to get touched. It's for these people who own yachts bigger than some... Did you say 3000 a year? Three hundred. Mm-hmm. It's 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 This is for those people who, again, own yachts and mansions bigger than a house that anybody could dream of. Mm-hmm. You know, for Jeff Bezos and his mansion with 25 bathrooms. Mm-hmm. That's that's who this is for. But but headlines like that and the disingenuous that comes with them, it, it's really easy to like disconnect people from that. Yeah. Um, and make it harder to generate support for something that would be very easy to address. And for something that would really help people. Again, we're in a pandemic. If we had healthcare for everybody, that's the biggest thing that's come up during all of this is like healthcare is tied to employment. You lose your job, you lose your healthcare. But what if you're diabetic and you need insulin? Mm-hmm. Well, you don't have any healthcare. You have to decide if you want to pay for rent or insulin. Yeah. GoFundMe has to make public statements saying we never intended to become a, a medical provider. But they know that they are at this point. Yeah. GoFundMe is used as insurance. Yeah. And people decide if they need to ration insulin or pay for their rent because landlords are still expecting rent and they're dying. Yeah. So we're not going to give people health care during a pandemic uh, because it's too expensive. But these people are allowed to, to walk with fuck you money. Yeah. And we can't get $15 an hour during a pandemic because it's too expensive. And there is a debate to be had about what you're going to do with small businesses and that sort of stuff. There is an argument to be made. But the $15 an hour, it's not like the day they sign it, boom, $15 an hour, your boss has to pay you. Mm-hmm. It's phased in. It's $15 an hour by 2025. Like, it's not immediate. These things take time. And if you adjust for inflation and production, the minimum wage in 2025 should be like $23 an hour anyway. So it's always going to lag behind. Yeah. And I don't know if, I don't know if this is going to sound really stupid because I don't know how, like, all of that works, really. But, like... If small businesses don't have the money or like, let's say our restaurant to do the $15 an hour um, or like, you know, like I host, do you think there would ever be some kind of like aid from the government? I, I, yeah, I mean, I don't see that being while, a hard... while it's in pro- in the process. Yeah. I mean, I, the thing I is too, like, sounds dumb. like, no, it's I not really dumb. I mean, works. It's not an unreasonable thing to ask. I think it's hard for to get the government to do something like that because we see how hard it is for them to even give people money during a pandemic. Yeah. Um, but it's not an unreasonable thing to ask because, yes, the idea of establishing a federal minimum wage is a federal thing. So there is a level of responsibility that the federal um, government would bear in that regard if you decided to make it a minimum wage for small businesses like a corporation no they don't need fucking help if mcdonald's applies for some sort of paycheck assistance to pay 15 dollars an hour then that's like fucking i'm talking about like but yes a small business small business not a freaking chain yeah and i i just don't know enough about how like small businesses operate to know maybe there is some sort of a thing that there already is in place or maybe there isn't and it would be hard to do i just i truly don't know um, but the idea that like places, the idea that if you put $15 an hour at McDonald's and all of a sudden the dollar menu is going to be $2, that's fucking dumb. Yeah. But if you want to argue, if you want to formulate the argument around small businesses, that's a, that's a conversation that you can listen to. Mm-hmm. That's something that I will hear. That's something I'll pay attention to because that's an argument that's coming from good faith. But the argument that again, 
Uh, what are you going to do? You pay people $15 an hour. Now bread's $4. Next it's going to be $8 because the minimum wage is doubled. <laughs> bread is already $4. That's what I'm saying. And now they're saying, like, oh, it'll become $8. Like, no, it fucking won't. Our seeded That's just bread not is how like it works. freaking $6. It's <laughs> like just not how it works. The only reason the bread price would change is if Pete Buttigieg decided to join some other bread fixing campaign. But no, he won't because now he's the fucking Secretary of Transportation, even though his city fucked around with their streetlights and a kid got hit by a car. So. What a lovely, lovely podcast. No, no. Quick, I gotta, I think it's something positive. <laughs> we gotta somehow end on a light note. We gotta end it on a light note. Well, hey, the COVID relief bill has passed. Will, will be. Oh. Let me check. Let me, oh, fuck. I don't know, I don't know Twitter. Uh, the COVID relief bill is gonna get passed tomorrow. Everybody should be getting their money soon. And the thing is, too, like, the thing that I think is also... I'm really angry about this stuff right now because I've been angry about it for like a year and a half ever since COVID started and I haven't had any moment that has given me like a good enough feeling of catharsis to let out a big sigh. Mm -hmm. When Donald Trump lost and Joe Biden got elected, it felt good. Mm -hmm. For a while, it felt really good. Now Joe Biden is in office and the same anger that we felt during Donald Trump's presidency has to remain. Not like anger and like hatred, but directed purpose. And for me, that purpose comes through anger. Yeah. But this, the, the, the same exact fight that people put up against Donald Trump has to continue. And that's one of the other reasons. That's one of the big reasons why I wanted to do this, why I get so angry about this stuff, because it's not worth letting go of. Mm -hmm. And the positive thing though, that does come from this is that all of that vigor and fervor that people had during Donald Trump's presidency, during all of the protests of the summer for social justice movements, during the Black Lives Matter protests, during all of the issues that came up with the COVID relief bill and things like that. Mm -hmm. It's not dying out, that same level of intensity that people have. It's not dying out. If it's taking a little bit of a break, because I think everybody deserves to take a little bit of a break, yeah, but it's not going anywhere. And I think that's like the positive thing that can be taken out of this is that people are not done. Mm -hmm. They're not going back to brunch like everybody would like. Everybody wants to go back to normal. I think enough people now know that normal sucked. Yeah. Normal is what brought us here. I mean, I, I think that's one way that technology actually can help us. It's like that quote by Will Smith saying how racism has not gotten worse. Gotten worse. It's just recorded now and out yeah. there for everyone to see. Yeah. That's the one thing I would say, like, technology has helped us in is showing, kind of putting out there, like, the really bad things. Like, yeah. that lady who freaking called the cops on that little girl who was black and she was selling water bottles on, she was selling water bottles in front of her, like, apartment or house or whatever. And the lady called the police on her because she was like, you don't have a sales permit or you don't have a permit for doing that. I and the girl, those people. Yeah, the girl was literally selling water bottles to go to Disneyland because her mom, her mom wasn't in work anymore. Yeah. So the lady, um, yeah, she called the cops on this little girl mm -hmm. selling water bottles for $2 and, uh. That was broadcasted, though. She lost her job. Yeah. She lost her job. She has hate from all these people. And uh, 
Good. Yeah. Fuck her. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But thankfully, because of technology, like, I would say that's one good thing that, like, has come from technology is that, like, it is outed more. Yeah. So some yeah. some things are getting, like, justified and, like, those justices are coming through and hopefully it can keep, yeah, just keep going. I mean, like I said, like, going back to it, one, there's a tweet for everything, which is great because we can call out people like Ted Cruz and we can call out people like Kirsten Cinema. Um, and her stupid parading thumbs down is on the internet. It's everywhere for everyone to see. Yeah. And people can talk about this stuff. There are, there are podcasts, there are YouTube videos. Like there is, and they're they're just through social media. There's a way for people who feel this anger, this frustration, Mm -hmm. everything that's going on, just the straight up, just the sorrow that comes with all of this, that comes with financial insecurity, that comes with social injustice, that comes with this level of unrest that people are tired of. This inequality that we see every single day that we have to deal with, mm-hmm. all of that now is shared at a level that it has not been before. And it is well, going to continue. It's not, I don't think that it's not, it's definitely been a feeling that has been shared. I mean, just look at history. But now, literally, it's French networked. Revolution. But you now know? it's networked. But yeah, it's networked and it's easier to get in contact and share it with each other, like yeah. we were saying. No, yeah. So. It's not the positive thing to end this episode on. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, no. I was just going to say it's not like we have to send letters to each other by snail mail, like, oh, meeting for the French Revolution at 8 o'clock by horseback <laughs> or, I don't know, freaking no carriage. Don't be tough. There's not a lot of horses anymore. Yeah. Just freely around a ride. <laughs> Horse and buggy. Yeah. Yeah, I, the positive thing that I always take from all this stuff, through all my frustration, all the problems that I have, and like as much as I can yell and feel shitty, the positive that will always come from it is just that I know that other people feel the same way, and it's important that there is this direction for it. For sure. Their voter turnout is at record levels. Um, just the, the, again, like the protests of the summer were a huge example of just like a unified effort by people who all feel the same way. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, just... Yeah. Making those barriers. Just going to keep pushing. Yeah. Just keep create, pushing Making ahead. those barriers tighter instead of yeah. widened. And that's why, like I said, I think it's so important that, like, when you're looking at COVID and that we see, like, disingenuous arguments that people are making, especially politicians, it's so important to call them out on it because we're not trying to go back. We're not trying to be back at 2016. Yeah. We're trying to be ahead. Yeah. We're trying to be better as a society for people who were struggling because you can see a through line between struggling and the reaction that they give. And we don't want to be reactionary anymore. We need to be proactive with our politics, proactive with our society. It's so much easier to solve a problem of financial insecurity for people when there is already a system in place. But when you have to build that system on the fly because previously you did not give a shit about people, mm-hmm. obviously it's going to be impossible. It's not going to work. And it's going to cause this sort of a difficulty for everyone. Mm-hmm. So... Well, that's what I got. That's the the most positive note that I could possibly think to end this on. Yeah. Little steps. Little things, you know, solving the little things. Mm -hmm. So Karen, do you have anything last, anything last to say? We've been going at this for a lot longer than last episode. And I thought last episode was going to be pretty long. (laughs) No, I, I don't have any more words. All right. Well, listeners, thank you so much. Thank you for listening. I really do appreciate everybody who listens to the podcast, who shares it, who talks about it. Mm-hmm. Got a few shares, likes, retweets, all that sort of stuff. So thank you so much. 
Um, continue to follow me on social media, on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, on Twitter, you can find me at Fanny Pack Frank. Super <laughs> easy. And then Instagram is just my name, Frank Lukaitis. I am going to probably create socials for the pod mm-hmm. um, going forward. But for now, it's just been the easiest this way until I gain a little bit more traction. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for listening. Please continue to do so. Like uh, like it, give it reviews, give it good reviews so it pops up on the algorithm, all that sort of crap. <laughs> um, tell your friends and tell me what you think. Reach out to me. I'm always free to... Yeah, good or bad yeah. comments. If you're tired of listening to me yell and you want me to smile and laugh more, tell me. I probably won't do it. Yeah, good or but bad tell me. comments. Be honest. <laughs> yeah, be honest, though. But if there, yeah, if there's if there's anything, and I know I said on I think Instagram, I am uh, always interested in bringing on new guests. You know, obviously it's COVID, but we can zoom something. So yeah, because I f- for sure don't always want to be on here and talk about all this negative, yeah, negative stuff. So if you manage to make it through as long as this has been going on, thank you so much, um, and. I don't know. I'll figure out some sign off later in the future. Something that has to do with my name. But in the end, in the meantime, uh, stay frank, everybody. Stay frank.